In this series of podcasts, we are examining different aspects of MindRamp's MAPS method. We characterize the MAPS method as a roadmap towards action. It takes you from motivation to change through assessments about what you need to change, through developing concrete plans of action. Then the S in MAPS stands for the skills that you need to help you implement and sustain your action plans. We are currently exploring the assessment phase of the method. In the last episode, we talked about using the essential cogwheels of brain health to assess what you might be doing that puts your brain at risk so that you can develop a plan to stop doing that. And you also then assess behaviors that make your brain stronger and more resilient so that you can make plans to practice and reinforce them. In this podcast, I want to start thinking about how to assess your cognitive abilities. How are you using your mind? Is your mind helping you to achieve qualongevity, or is it getting in the way? MindRamp's formula for success is brain health plus mental management equals qualongevity. By keeping our brains healthy and strong, we provide the physical mechanisms our mind needs to cultivate happiness, meaning, and fulfillment. Our essential cogwheels are behavioral areas that provide us with a way to organize the vast amount of research about keeping our brains healthy throughout our lives. We have long wanted a similar system to structure and organize information about mental management. This has been a somewhat tougher nut to crack. Such a system would need to identify the key mental disciplines that help us to cultivate qualongevity. These mental disciplines would have to meet certain criteria of practicality, effectiveness, and sustainability. So let's start by giving some thought to which criteria are important. What characteristics do we want our mental disciplines to possess? First, they should be recognizable and intuitive. The mental disciplines should be familiar modes of thinking that are recognizable to everyone. With a few words of description, everyone should be able to understand what we're talking about and should recognize that they use these kinds of thinking strategies. So we will shun scientific terms and identify these mental disciplines using common words or phrases to make them more accessible. Next, these mental disciplines should be meaningful. The mental discipline should clearly have an impact on the things we are interested in managing. We should be able to recognize that these mental disciplines can either help or hinder our pursuit of health, happiness, meaning, and fulfillment. Next, they should be manageable. The mental discipline should be ways of thinking that we can control. We should be able to manage these disciplines. When we recognize that they are harming us, potentially, we should be able to work towards changing them. Change may not be easy, but it should at least be possible. Once we have a metacognitive awareness that we are capable of thinking in a different way, we should be able to switch from a harmful mode to a more helpful mode of thinking. Next, they should be prescriptive and normative. In other words, can we come up with general recommendations similar to the risks and protections associated with the cogwheels that can help us figure out what we should change and how we should change it? 
We also want them to be evidence-based. There should be solid research with evidence that the recommendations do, in fact, lead to the desired outcomes that we want. Has it been demonstrated that management of these mental disciplines actually does lead to better outcomes? Training and mastery is perhaps the final characteristics. Can we practice these mental disciplines and get better at them? It's useful to think of ourselves as mental athletes. The more we practice and the smarter we train, the better we will perform. So the mental disciplines should not only be manageable in the moment, they should also be modifiable through practice and training. We should be able to get better at each discipline when we work at it over time. To summarize, then, the mental disciplines we choose should be recognizable, meaningful, manageable, prescriptive, evidence-based, and trainable. So with these criteria in mind, let's tighten our lens a bit and look at what types of mental disciplines might meet these criteria. I want to start with an umbrella concept that describes a kind of thinking that may be unique to human beings and may in fact be a relatively recent evolutionary development. It is our ability to think about thinking. The scientific term is metacognition. So let me repeat that. Metacognition is our ability to think about our own thinking. Human beings have brains and minds that can be self-reflective. We not only have thoughts, we also have the ability to recognize that we are having thoughts. We also recognize that other people have their own thoughts that are different from ours. And with this recognition, we are able to think about what we're thinking and speculate about what other people are thinking. It's not clear that other animals are capable of metacognition, at least not to the extent that human beings are. The American developmental psychologist John Flavel, I think that's how you pronounce it, coined the term in 1976, and he defined metacognition as knowledge about cognition and control of cognition. So these two aspects of metacognition are incredibly important to our discussion of mental disciplines. The idea of mental management is that we can manage our minds by improving these two areas of metacognition. First, we gain an understanding of how we are thinking and how that thinking is affecting us. And second, we increase our ability to control how we are thinking in order to get better results. So step one is becoming more aware of what our mind is doing, and step two is learning to control our thought processes in ways that minimize maladaptive thoughts and replace them with mental processes that cultivate happiness and a sense of meaning and fulfillment. So rather than letting our minds control us, we take control of our minds by learning how to use the mental discipline of metacognition. So let's think of metacognition as the umbrella concept and drill down to my suggested list of key mental disciplines. The first mental discipline I want to address is attention. 
This mental discipline involves being more aware of what gets your attention and consequently what escapes your attention. Don't underestimate the importance of attention. It is attention that determines our experience of the world, of life. Of all the myriad things that exist in the universe, we only experience those things that come within our field of attention. We interact with the outside world through our senses and only see what, what we look at, and we only hear things that register as meaningful sounds. We experience ourselves according to those feelings, sensations, concepts, and, and so on that get our attention. Our attention is limited by the way our brain is engineered. We're hardwired, in other words, to be aware of certain aspects of nature and to be blind to other aspects. The human brain and sensory organs have evolved to pay attention to only a narrow slice of what exists. To a large extent, we perceive only those sights, sounds, sensations, and so on that have proven to help our ancestors adapt and survive. The human brain is not equipped, for example, to hear the range of sounds that are available to the brains of dogs or bats. Our sense of smell is nowhere near as developed as it is in other mammals, so the very structure of our brains limits what we can pay attention to. Further, our location in the world also limits what we can experience and reduces the scope of our intention. Until the invention of cameras and videos, human beings could only see what was right in front of them, within their field of vision. Even with photos and videos, we only see a small sliver of all that could possibly be seen. We further reduce our scope of attention by making choices about what we will look at and what we will listen to. If, for example, we only read one book over and over again, our range of information and experience will be limited to the contents of that book. If we only listen to one news show that reflects only one political point of view, we limit our understanding of what is going on in the world. Mental mastery of attention involves gaining greater understanding of what gets your attention and where you place your attention. Then you can assess whether your choices are expanding your experience of the world or limiting them. Are your choices making you happier? Are they making you wiser? Are your choices supporting your sense of self-worth? Are your choices about what you attend to increasing your understanding of others, or are they simply reinforcing stereotypes and biases? Now, once you get a sense of what your attentional choices are doing for you, you can work to take greater control of those choices. If listening to endless news about the coronavirus is depressing you, well, perhaps you should choose to attend to something else for a while, something that lifts your spirits. That is, you can make conscious, deliberate choices about what you want to pay attention to and what you want to ignore. Concentration is our second mental discipline. This relates to our ability to pay attention to things for extended periods of time without getting distracted. The longer we can concentrate, the longer we can think about what we are thinking about. 
Concentration enables us to hold a number of ideas in working memory long enough to play with them and to to see how they interact with each other and how one idea might amplify another. Gaining control of this mental discipline has two parts. The first is getting better at paying attention to a single task for an extended period of time, or at least long enough to be productive and it involves improving our ability to hold ideas in working memory long enough to be productive. And the second aspect of concentration involves getting better at ignoring distractions. At times it's useful to be aware of the myriad forms of stimuli in your environment, but at other times you need to block out those distractions and hold your focus on a single task. Mastery of concentration involves being able to be open to distraction when necessary, but also to be able to shut out distractions when that's most helpful. Another mental discipline I want to characterize as fast and slow, and this mental discipline is suggested by Nobel Prize winner Daniel Kahneman's book, very much the same name, Thinking Fast and Slow. Kahneman suggests that we can characterize our thinking as being either fast thinking or slow thinking. The concept stresses that the fact that much of our thinking takes place under the radar, so to speak. Fast thinking is automatic and unconscious. It drives instinctive and impulsive behavior. Slow thinking, on the other hand, is more deliberate and is done consciously. Slow thinking is the job of our executive brain, the prefrontal cortex. To manage this discipline, we need to get better at recognizing when we are thinking fast and when we are thinking slow, and which mode is actually better suited to the task at hand. There are times when fast thinking works best, and slow thinking just gets in the way, like When we're performing well-rehearsed physical activities, it's best to let fast thinking guide us. Thinking too much about our golf swing or how to shoot a free throw in basketball just messes up the mechanics. Conversely, there are times when fast thinking gets us into trouble, and we need to slow down our thought processes to take more time to think before we act. We've all experienced times when we've acted on impulse and then regretted what we said or did. Taking some time to think slowly about the situation would have led to better outcomes. So control and mastery of this mental discipline enables us to switch fluidly between these two modes and enables our thinking to become more nimble. Tight and loose is another mental discipline I want to suggest. Just as we can characterize our thinking as fast and slow, we can also characterize it as tight and loose. There are times when our thinking is highly organized, regimented, and routinized. Our minds are often disturbed by disorder and chaos. They do all they can to impose order and organization, even if no such order exists. This is tight thinking, the impulse to pull things together into a cohesive and logical order. And obviously, that's very useful at times. But at other times, our thinking drifts in the other direction. Our thoughts become less organized, more random and arbitrary. While some people are more comfortable in the tight end of the spectrum, others prefer to operate towards the loose end. The loose end of the spectrum is perhaps more creative, more flexible. 
To begin gaining mastery of this mental discipline, recognize your preferred mode. Are you more comfortable with loose thinking or with tight thinking? And become aware of how you feel when you're operating at the less preferred end of the scale. And how does that affect your thinking? As with fast and slow thinking, there are times when tight thinking works better and other times when loose thinking will be more effective. The more you can control your ability to move from one end of the continuum to the other, the more flexible your thinking will become. Another discipline I want to suggest is I, I call time travel. This discipline involves having greater and more frequent awareness of whether your thoughts are about the past, the future, or the present. Through training and discipline, we can become better at shifting between time frames to best effect. We only have real control over what we are doing in the present. So if we are ruminating about the past or are anxious about the future, we need to bring the concerns into the present where we can begin to exert some control over them. Then the final discipline I want to suggest are mindsets. Mindsets are mental paradigms. They are frameworks that summarize the way we believe the world works and the way we think of ourselves. For example, you might believe that people are fundamentally good, or conversely, that they are fundamentally bad. These are two competing mindsets, two paradigms about people that bias all of your interactions with others. So we need to become more aware of the assumptions, the biases, the stereotypes that we have about how the world works, about how other people work, and about the kind of person that we are. Are these mindsets serving you well? Do they contribute to your happiness? Do they promote meaning, purpose, and fulfillment? Or do they do the opposite? So once we recognize the mindsets that control our thinking, we can learn to perform what we call mindset resets. We can learn to flip from a maladaptive mindset to one that does a better job of promoting longevity. Clearly, this brief summary of the disciplines of mental management only etches the surface of the topic. Each of these disciplines deserves a podcast of its own, or even a series of podcasts. But my hope is that this summary will raise your awareness of these disciplines. I want to put them on your radar screen, so to speak. And as we continue to explore other aspects of the mind ramp method, I trust that you will begin to recognize when these mental disciplines are being deployed you will begin to notice that certain problems can be traced back to a misuse of one of these mental disciplines. You'll begin to see how an adjustment of the mental discipline might help you do a better job of cultivating happiness and fulfillment. So once again, my current list of mental disciplines is attention, what you notice, what you pay attention to. Two is concentration, how well you pay attention and how well you avoid distractions. Three is thinking fast and slow. Is your thinking unconscious or conscious? Is it automatic or deliberate? Then there's thinking tight or loose. Is your thinking highly organized and perhaps rigid? Or is it fluid and perhaps disorganized? Then there's time travel. Can you intentionally shift between the past, the present, and the future? And 
mindsets is your thinking influenced by a mental framework that you assume to be true that may or may not be true.